Hi and welcome to the Andy Gorman Golf One Put Podcast. I'm here with Gareth Shaw. We're here to talk about, well, tour talk. We've got all sorts of things. What's in the bag? What's going on in amongst our winners? We've got some terrific wins that have taken place with some controversy on the golf course as well. And of course, we're also looking forward to this week's golf at in the desert, in the stadium that won't have as many people in it this year. But... Let's see what the atmosphere is going to be really like. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, looking forward to bringing that to you um, going forward. But, um, yeah, we'll catch you on the other side. Looking forward to spending time with you. Hi, Gareth. How are you? Yeah, really good, Andy. You? Yeah. I'm very well, thanks. And it's uh, kind of interesting. Your backdrop this week would suggest that we may be in Arizona. Arizona, waste management. It's got to be such a cool tournament to, to go and view. But also imagine the players coming out of the tunnel into the amphitheater or the Coliseum, they call it, and then trying, <laughs> yeah. to, trying to play that golf shot. Well, won't be quite so intimidating this year, though. Definitely won't be as full as what you've got there in the background. So it's going to be an interesting um, event. I mean, it's a great event. Um, and yeah, it's golf a little bit different, but um, it'll be interesting to see just uh, what kind of an atmosphere that they can create. Um, I've, I'm, I'm not even sure if that amphitheatre now is a permanent fixture on that golf course. I think it um, is, you know. I think yeah, it would make sense because it would take you 12 months to make that, that I think. Mm. So, uh, um yeah, but yeah, but but it's a, I love that tournament to be honest. I think it's a course that, um, uh, yeah, it's a bit different, you know. Of course, it's got the quirky bits. I'm not really suggesting that that particular hole is anything you know spectacular. I, I like the fact that the players are put under a different kind of pressure, um, you know, and I think golf should do that every now and again is have a little quirky event, you know. We can get snow there as well this time of the year, which is kind of mad, um. Mm-hmm. You know, snow in the desert. It's just like, how's that work? But um, you know, I think it's a. I think it's a, it, it just takes the player to a different, you know, to a different place. And you know, in terms of how they deal with, it's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more heart, light-hearted. I think, and it's. Um, I think it's a good place um, to have a tournament. A good friend of mine was there last year, and he said he is mental. <laughs> um, you know, but a great experience and. Um, you know, it, it's uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I can't can't wait to see quite what it's like on there. And Rory's playing it for the first time. Rory's Rory's never played it before. He's playing it for the first okay, time. Okay, yeah, right. That'd be good. That'd be good. I mean, maybe you know, it's the type of place that that um, you know there will be a few crowds there, um, from what I understand. But I don't know the full ins and outs. And you know, playing with a few crowds around is going to help Rory. We know that. Um, it's not all that far from where they are either um at this moment in time so it'd be good um yeah i'll be interested to see how it pans out Rory needs to win mm. you know he's got to get get one over the line somehow um we know he likes florida but you know there'll be a florida swing coming up shortly of course but you know it's um gonna be interesting to see what's happening you know going forward with his career because i think it's very much stalled mm. um and that said, you know, I mean, that's, there's a lot of great players that have come back and, you know, have had their wins going on, you know, in time. You know, Rory's is obviously in his early 30s, but, you know, you've got you know, Paul Casey in his early 40s. Um, 
spectacular event, you know, meant a huge amount to him. I did watch it yesterday. Mm -hmm. I watched it over the weekend, to be fair. Um, and, you know, I was particularly impressed with the way that he played. You know, his scoring stats were exceptional, you know, all week. He drives it so well. He hits it a good distance. So he's able to compete and play on a great golf course. Um, and, you know, and I just think that he is quite essentially a, an all-round professional professional. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't can't think of any controversy that he may have courted in his career um i can but that wasn't necessarily down to him um you know a Ryder cup a few mm. years back but um he, you know he's he, you know he's great and he is a pick for the Ryder cup even if he doesn't qualify which is mm. which is kind of a bit alarming i'm not so sure that you caught that one um but padraig said that he will be playing um, because he can't not put, can't not have him in the side, which I mean it's great to get an endorsement, but it, to some degree it could almost put a little bit of pressure on. Um, you it's know, a bit early, isn't it? an expectation yeah. under under that. But you know, he's found out on Monday that that's what Padre thinks of him, and you know, on Sunday he finishes the deal, um, and almost I guess to some degree, you know, has sewn his place up, which is great, you know, because he's he's. I think he's going to, on merit, still be in a position going forward where he'll be in that top five, I think, mm -hmm. mix, top four, top five mix for world rankings. So, um, you know, unless obviously others come through the ranks, but then, you, you know, that would suggest that also Tyrrell Hatton's going to be in there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's phenomenal. I mean, you know, one to get the captain's pick so early um, kind of suggests that, you know, if, if there is a sort of a buoyancy, you know, towards the end, towards the middle of September, that, um, I mean, he can, he can play wherever he wants, ultimately. It, give, it gives him licence to play and play his mm -hmm. schedule. Um, and, you know, I just hope the Ryder Cup gets a chance to play. I mean, look, you know, it could be to a point where, you know, we can't take anything for granted, um, you know, and albeit it's eight months away. Um, you know, you get your players over there and in a bubble, and all of a sudden, you know, a handful of players go down with, you know, a positive test. Then what happens? Um, yeah. Doesn't bear thinking about really, because it would just yeah. put a complete dampener on the event. You know, it's. Um, I know they're going to have a big pool of picks from this year. I think it's going to be really tough to whittle down the picks, and there's some big players going to miss out. I, I agree. Yeah, I think there'll be names in there that just, that ultimately, you know, will be excluded. And, you know, you've got to play well. You just can't. And, you know, I wouldn't want to be a captain. I wouldn't want to have to go through those picks. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think it, the challenge is your heart over your head. You know, you know who you want in there. You know you want Poulter in there. You know you've Kind of want Westwood in there because they're delivered in the past, but are they good enough to deliver against mm. the current crop of youngsters that you're going to be playing against? And you know, are you going to pick somebody you know potentially who's really not going to play five matches? I mean, you know, we saw the last one obviously in France, we saw um, you know, uh, Fleetwood five for five, and you know, it's never been done before. Uh, by a European and you know so you look at that and go like well are, are you picking your team 
that are uh, that you have to pick in your free picks. The ones are you picking the ones that are capable of playing five matches? Because in other words, you're going to play a youngster, you know, you know. So, and they're all good enough. If you if you're looking at a player to play, you know, then they're all good enough. So, you know, um, and you know, and I think fitness uh, and stamina is one of the things that's going to bear out uh, potentially the the Ryder Cup. Uh, picks. That said, I think Padre will will mix it up with his heart as much as he will with his head. I think you, you know you may well see a stalwart, you know, Ryder Cupper end up in there, and I'm you know Potter would be a pick of mine. Um, will Stanchi sure. play? Will, will it play? Will Wallace well, play? Gonna, the, the, the two <laughs> that I was going to stand out there and say I'm not too sure are good enough at this point in time is Westwood and Stenson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you put Willett in there. Um, Will Rose other... play? Rose. Rose. I mean, God, dear me. I couldn't pick Rose. Mm. I just Matt, couldn't do it. Matt Wallace? <sighs> he, he needs, I think he needs to win to prove himself. Mm. I think I think this year, above anything else, you've got to be able to pick players that are capable of winning, you know, and, and have the metal to win. I don't think... You know, Ryder Cup isn't changing anytime soon. And the demands upon the players are going to be significant going forward. So my argument would be that you have to have winners on your team, you know, and I don't think that, um, I don't think you can carry, it'd be a tough one to, it's it's always going to be a tough one. That's why I wouldn't want the captaincy, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, do you pick somebody like Lee Westwood, who's who you know is capable of doing what he does? You know, same thing for Poulter. You know, I think it was fourteen. Um, Poulter wasn't playing great. He got a captain's pick. He was made the ultimate. It was Glen Eagles, and he pitched in. Um, you know, there to to win. You know, a point which you know was getting away from from the guys potentially. I mean, you know, it was difficult for him to get up and down. It looked like it was going to go behind and I think scrambled a half point or something along those lines. I don't think he scored many points that year, but did what he had to do. And of course was, you know, it's pivotal at the end. So, you know, it's very difficult because, you know, when you've got two man teams, um, you know, in the four balls and in the foursomes, then you've got that, you know, if you've got a player like Poulter who's going to pull a couple of birdies out, when you just least expect it, um, you know, and of course he's proven himself all the other times. So you know, again, you know, I'd love to think that he's more than capable of doing doing it and getting in and, you know, but I, if Poults and Westwood and Stenson and Willett are not there, you know, you just look at it and go like, Ooh, you know, um, and there is going to be a changing of the guard, you know, we, you know, there's no question of that. You know, happened a few years ago with obviously Clark moving on and Monty, and yeah. you know, now they're obviously you know doing extremely well in the on the Champions Tour again, and you know, winning tournaments and the like. I, I just think it's it's exciting, to, like you say, when you've got kids coming through now. You're Victor Hovland of this world, you mm-hmm. um, Lucas Beaugards and people like that on the on the European Tour who can hit it a mile, they've got no fear, would you take those kind of players with you? You know, yeah, um, I, I, I think so. And I think when you look in the look in the past and you've got, you know, you've um, the guys that have played and just looking back at, you know, the guy, what's it, Victor, um, 
Dubrisson, uh, yeah, you know, who, who played so incredibly well at, at the 14 Ryder Cup. And where's he gone now? Yeah. You know, plays same a handful of the tournaments. Same with Alex Norrin, I saw the first time. Yeah. Again, another great golfer. Yeah, he's based over in the States now. Mm. Um, I think also got Molinari is based over mm. there. So again, you know, those guys are potentially, you know, they've got to, got to shake up a little bit. You know, they've got to get the game in order. Again, you know, do you do you not have Molinari on the team? Mm. Um, you know, so it's going to be, you know, no one was had a couple of great days to start the week off, didn't he, uh, this week? Mm. Just gone. So, um yeah, you know, I've got. You know, it's a great season to look forward to, isn't it? It feels like it's just starting to get some momentum. Because momentum also brings controversy. How was your, your embedded lie, Andy? Did you get any embedded lies this morning? <laughs> I felt like a, an embedded lie in was required. Um, oh, come on. I mean, flipping it. At what point do you stay away from the controversy of a rules violation? Yeah. And we've got three of them, you know, all going through the same thing. Here's my big take on it. All right. Hit it in the rough and it's it's plugged. It's plugged. You play it as it lies. I don't care how wet it is. If there's water capable of coming out the ground, then it's a it's casual water. It's not an embedded lie. Um, but you don't pick the ball up before you go and look. I'm sorry, Patrick Reed, you're out of order. I don't care what you know what the PGA Tour is saying. Why are you protecting a player from a violation? You don't you, look. The player player should not have the ball in his hand without another player at least being at his side. Mm. Why are you lifting it? I'm just going to check if it's embedded. You don't <laughs> need to. You don't need to move it, do you? To check it? No, you don't. No, and it may be in the rough. And the challenge then, of course, may be that you know. It's it's down in the rough, and you've got to have a look at it. But let the rules official determine, you know. And there should be a couple of things that we can do. Number one, we've got cameras on our phones, and we've got cameras on TV. And you know, you're playing in a tournament which is tele and televised. You straight away did that ball bounce? I didn't see it bounce. Was exactly the right thing for the volunteer to say, I didn't see it bounce. If she didn't see it or he didn't see it, it didn't, they didn't see it bounce. But I can't rule out the fact that he did bounce. And, and if that's the case, then you go to TV, did the ball bounce? And we make it a rule, very simple. If the ball bounced, it can't be embedded, period. Because the, the second is not an embedding. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and if it's embedding to the point where it's plugged in something, you know, then it's going to be soaking wet and the casual water rule comes into play. So, you know, I think it's very self-explanatory. I think he knows how to court controversy. Um, Doesn't help himself, Andy, does he? It's not helping himself at all. And, you know, and to turn around and point the finger at Rory McIlroy and, you know, Adam Scott for doing a similar violation, you know, just says, and, and finish it, end of story. <laughs> like... It's like, I know I've done wrong, but they've done it as well. And, you know, it's out of order. It's completely out of order. The game of golf is full of integrity for the way that we self-govern ourselves. And you've got to cheat on the PGA Tour. And, you know, it, it is nothing less. We've seen what he's done in a waste bunker before now, clearing um, sand out of the way. 
we know that he's you know potentially you know quite happy to just wave it away and you know like it doesn't matter and allow him to win the tournament i mean you know violation should be he's had the ball in hand and whatever the golf ball whatever that rule is and we could have checked the rule i suppose before we came on air but you know for me he's picked a ball up that shouldn't be picked up you put it back in exactly the same place you put it you don't drop it you put it back in the same place on defensively whether it's one or two or you know it's disqualification or whatever it is i mean if you made it blanket disqualification pick the ball up and it shouldn't have been you're disqualified guy doesn't win the tournament doesn't win a dime I love the rules official. Where's the ball? It's over there. Yeah. yeah. Why is it over there? <laughs> I mean, just well, you can see, I mean, partly I'm incensed by it. I just can't comprehend it. I just can't understand what he's thinking. Mm. Apart from the fact that well, I'm going to cheat this as best I can. I'm sorry, it's blatant. You don't make it. You have to go out of your way to do something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, use the rules to to the maximum advantage because that's what they're there for. Mm. There's nothing cheating in maximising a bad lie. All right? You maximise the potential of whatever it might be to play the shot. All right? And, you know, I, I had one. We ended up on the phone. I was in Jamaica. Don't mind admitting, and, you know, you can say what you like about it at the end of the day, but we played it within the rules. So I've hit a ball under a bush up against the the roots of a mango tree in Jamaica. So it's not your regular oak tree. Um, yeah, it's a mango tree. Um, and, and it's under a bush. And the only way that I can, I can nudge it out, and the only way that I can nudge it out is to get down on my hands and knees. I don't have to build the stunts to do this. I can get on my hands and knees. Right? And I can play the shot. Okay, not quite hands and knees, of course. I've made my stunts on my knees. When I do that, my feet are on the cart path, which entitles me to an immovable obstruction rule, which allows me to get a free drop. Now, I can play the shot. In fact, we did three options on it. Okay, so we did, under penalty, take a drop. Under no penalty, take a drop because you're dropping in a different place because you're taking relief from the cart path, a completely different place. And um, and then play as it lies. So I hit three golf balls, got on the phone to the RNA, right? Fortunate because of the way the time zone worked. We got no, you know, we checked all the rules. We've got decisions, books, we've got everything out. You know, and you know, I know, I know the rules. That's why I was able to make the call on the rules and the options itself. And the RNA adjudicated and said, "Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're entitled by, you know, as long as you're not building a stance, mm-hmm. because your feet were on the cart path, you're entitled to take relief from the cart path." Now, it played in my favour because I made a five and a six out of the other two balls, and I made a four from taking relief. What that and again, ended, Andy's And I ended playing. up winning the tournament. That's playing within the rules. It's like our icon, Sevi. He played within the rules. Yes, he might have tried yeah. to push the limit, but he always adhered to the rules. Well, absolutely. I mean, he asked the question, and only he'd asked questions only Sevi could. Mm. And I think, you know, obviously we see Bryson DeChambeau doing much the same thing. He's asking questions that only Sevi could. 
you know, whether he thinks he's Seve or not is, is irrelevant. You know, and I admire him for, for being that, you know, sort of, I suppose cocksure is as good a term as any, you know, in terms of his, you know, where he feels his standing in the game is. He's a young man, he's got confidence, you know, bucketfuls of it. And he wants to play, and you know, within the rules. That's why he asks the questions. And he courts controversy by asking the question. And he might be a little petulant by throwing the toys out the pram when he doesn't get it his way, yeah. no less than Seve did. You know, um, and you've got to, you know, I, I don't think you admire, but you, you know, you have a little wry smile and go like, well, at least he's had a go. You know, he's tried. He he, he thought he might be able to pull it off, um, get away with it, call it whatever you like. But ultimately, you know, when you when it comes down to it, picking a ball up. So I never saw Sevy pick a ball up. No. Never saw him pick a ball up. It, mark it. Yeah, but he would wait for a rules official. He'd wait for a rules official because he didn't want to be violating any rules. That was the integrity of the game that he played by. Mm. Um, for you to get a ball in your hand at the very first moment of opportunity to do so suggests that you don't like what you've got. I didn't even see a peg go in. Somebody said that he put a peg in, but I yeah, didn't, did, see, yeah. the, didn't yeah. see the peg. But he was very quick to put that ball to one side. Why did you put the ball to one side? Well, you move it to one side, partly, and, and the main reason for that is if that ball is deemed to be um, not embedded, then it has to be returned with whatever mud on the ball would be. So you're not mm -hmm. entitled to clean it. So ultimately, if you were... Um, my hand on the ball then but if you you know if you, you would literally just hold the ball mm -hmm. between your fingers as you've removed it out to the ground and you would hold it there so by resting it down on the ground you're you're in effect trying to not violate that cleaning of the ball element because if the ball is still in play you have to return it in exactly the same manner that it was and that's a crucial part of what he did there but again, he should never have removed it until the rules official determined, yes, let's have a look at that first. I mean, that, that's ultimately, that's the, the, the principle. Um, and, you know, and, and that ball didn't look dirty to me. So it didn't suggest that it had any ad adhering, um, you know, sort of dirt or substance or, you know, impediment on it. So, yeah. You know, can thrash this one out all day long. As well, far as I'm concerned, yeah, it frustrates me, though, Andy, when he's actually played decent golf. And, yeah, and, I mean, and we're, we're talking I, about a rule. We're talking about rules of violation, and we should be talking about the golf, shouldn't we? But it's, we should. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, I think he's a tremendous golfer. Um, but the, but it leaves a sour. It, you know, it leaves mm. something sour in your you know in your mouth. Apart from that, you know. Missing a 22-inch putt for 360 grand would leave it slightly more sour taste. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Victor Hovland, wow. what were you doing over your less than two-foot putt? I want to ask you, Andy, that. What, what's the, the, what, the short or the most money in terms of that? Have you missed a putt in that kind of relation for, for money or to win a match? Oh, or? what have I missed? Mm. Oh, my word. Um I think, yeah. I mean, in terms of money, in, ter in terms of in terms of money, um, yeah, I've missed putts. I've missed, uh, you know, uh, but I'd never say it was necessarily one particular putt. Mm. Um, you know, I've missed a shot which I know I should have made. You know, and you, you know, you just end up capitulating because you know because you kick yourself, you know, to the clubhouse from wherever you are. Um, you, you know, and there's and there is a pivotal shot. 
know, we'll come to Paul Casey's round in a in a mo where he, you know ultimately a pivotal shot kept his momentum going. We talk about pivotal shots and momentum, you know, all the time. But yeah, I've missed. You know, I remember driving a green. I may have mentioned this before, but I remember driving a green on a par four, 18th hole. I was playing in Sleaford and Lincolnshire, and we're playing a, you know, county sixes which ultimately was a national event. And, you know, I only had to match the guy I'm playing with. Uh, he got no chance of hitting the green. I'm going to say it was a 310-yard par four, but it was a bit bouncy. It was down breeze, and I could get one out there and, and got it out there. Old blocks of wood, a lot of balls and all that. <laughs> um, but I got the ball on the green. I got it above the hole. He had a look at the hole on the way on to the green. I mean, you know, it was a really good drive. Um, you know, the guy I'm playing with, is he's... he's knocked his driver about 40 yards short of the green. He's pitched up to about six foot short, two putts. That's all I need to do. Left it two and a half foot short from about 18 to 20 feet. And I missed it. He hold it or well, he hold it first. And, and I missed, I should never have left it two and a half foot above the hole. I mean, that's the bottom line. Um, but it costs the county the opportunity to represent England in the European championship. So um, I remember the event itself. I, you know, it's one of those, but it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I should never have left myself a two and a half foot down the hill. I mean, that's sort of been better off hitting it four foot past the hole. At least he had a chance to go in, but you know, it was just one of those. So that one hurt me, hurt me for a while. And that was, I was 18 and I'm still recounting that. That didn't cause me to damp, you know, to have a, a you know, a damaged putting um, reputation or putting game. But, you know, I mean, it, when it comes down to cash, Ultimately, you know, I, I, I can't say that I've lost a huge amount of cash, but I have lost golf tournaments by multiple three putts inside 10 feet, as we know on this you know, show before. Um, it, you know, the, the alarming rate that I hold putts inside 10 feet today, I'd have won the tournament by 17 shots over two rounds. That's the bottom line. I mean, that's, you know, uh, instead of finishing one over, I'd have finished 16 under. I mean, that's... that. that because my conversion rate inside 10 feet now is that I, I miss a handful of putts all year inside 10 feet. And I missed, I had 10 three putts inside 10 feet that day. So um, there's 20 putts more than I feel like I should have uh, ordinarily. So, you know, so that's, you know, it's just a very realistic set of numbers uh, based on what I'm capable of doing now and, and, and do do for, you know, and have done for the last five or six years. So um you know, what so are that, your that, thoughts on his stroke, Andy? What do, you, what do you like about his stroke? What do you dislike about his stroke? This, you know, he's almost, he's one of those, he's almost there, but that's the trouble when you, when a player is almost there. Um, you, you know, he stands reasonably tall to it, but not tall enough. He, you know, and, and again, it's all about, they're trying to get into a certain position, which does not allow the body to, to move. He's hit that putt with his hands. And it never looked like going in. Plus the fact he hit it. I mean, look, I'm not saying that he hit it on the wrong line. He just hit it at the wrong line for the speed that he hit it at. He knocked it four foot past the hole almost. Mm -hmm. And um, I think he was closer to three and a half feet than, than the two foot that he had to start with. So, I mean, it's just, it's a, did he overhit it because he was under pressure and, you know, tried to hit it through the break and, you know, just hit it through everything. But I mean, he's hit the putt six feet. You know, he's got two foot to go. He's hit the ball nearly six feet. So, you know, that's, that's a that's a major error in speed control. 
um, no matter how much break you're taking out, you know, and you never started outside the hole if you're going to hit it that firm. So, you know, I'm all for taking a bit of break out, but, you know, to, to hit it four foot past the hole, you make the hole an inch wide. Yeah. You know, it's simply, and then you've got to hope that it traps it and, and holds it. I mean, that's just, you know, that, that's just crazy, crazy speeds, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I like I like a lot of what he does. You know, he's trying to get tall. He's trying to get good posture. He's a tall fella by the looks of things. And, you know, that, you know, it's almost there, but it's it just gets handsy. And when it gets handsy, you're prone to pulling that ball down. I mean, he's missed that putt by three degrees or, or you know, he's, he's hit it six feet instead of four feet. Yeah, you know, so so he, to to miss the hole from that range. In fact, it's probably it's more than that because at three feet, you you know, you've got three degrees of error. So he's missed that by about four degrees, four and a half degrees, and that's a that's a big, big miss. Mm. Uh, it's um yeah, yeah, that pains me to see that. It um you know, and it's ugly. <laughs> There's no other way of putting it. It's ugly. Um, you know, looking at yeah. golfers. Yeah, talking of frustration. What would you just think about Cap Cap Kennedy snapping his driver across? Oh my word! Yeah, I can't talk about getting some flex in there. Has yeah. he got one of those auto auto flex shafts or something like that? You know, I mean, I, I, you know, how do you get that much flex and not snap it? I mean, God dear me! I mean, that's just. I would want a stiffer shaft in my bag. I think that might be the problem. Why it's ending up in the rough? You know, he needs <laughs> a stiffer shaft. Um, yeah, that's some. We'll put a post. I mean, you can put that image up, can't you? I mean, what a ridiculous amount of flex around his back. I mean, one shows you how strong these shafts are these days. It takes an awful lot to snap one, but um, and the weakest spot is down by where he's holding it, which of course is. And there, there's another danger. You know, if that had snapped in his hand, you know, he's he's got his hand around the grip on the one side, but if he snapped it anywhere near here, that mm. that. The, the splinter fiber damage on the on a graphite shaft on a hand could be literally career ending so no matter how frustrating you are i mean if, if folk want to know you know what that really seriously can do and you snap a graph you snap a steel shaft you get a a cut you know you snap a, a fiber shaft and you get splinters and you get shrapnel you know yeah. and it's as it's literally i don't want to sort of liken it to being shot mm. Um, but you're shooting yourself with loads of fibers uh, of graphite and it, it you will never get them all out you know so in which case there'll be a healing process with graphite in there and it'll make its way out and it will constantly trauma the hand so it will be a career ending you know somebody at that level it will be career ending so you know it's just ridiculous it seems also that, that he's, he's finished with his finished with his coach as well hasn't he so yeah yeah, it, so it suggests that he's in a frustrating place in his head. It seemed as well that the course this week kind of threw up a lot of frustrations and a lot of kind of controversy. Do you think it'll be the same when we come to US Open at Tory this year? Yeah, it'd be more difficult. Mm. You know, I think that, you know, I, I was looking at the, some of the aerial views um, of it and it, they, it's, it's close to the edge, isn't it? I mean, it's, um, it, you know, it, I was a little bit surprised that maybe Bryson wasn't there, just getting getting around it, having a look at it, because you've got to figure out where you can't hit it. Because there's a lot of places there you can't hit it. You're not all that far offline. If you look at some of the errors that he made uh, in the US Open last year, then ultimately, you know, he's not going to get a chance to do that, that kind of error. Now, he doesn't hit it that far offline, to be fair. But when you're hitting that far and you get it 
you know, going riding on the wind a little bit, you can get it offline very quickly. So, you know, you've got to figure out where you're going to hit it. Um, and of course, the rough is going to be US Open rough. You know, I mean, that's, I just don't see, I just don't see them, you know, keeping it at four inches. I mean, that's mm. just, you know, they're just not going to do it. I caught somebody on the telecast talking about it the other day. It may never, it may not rain between now and then, and now and the US Open. I mean, it's just going to show you how hard and bouncy that golf course is likely to be. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, because, I mean, was it the last time it was there? It was 08. Was it Tiger? The Tiger went there. It was there. Tiger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, I'm not sure if it's been there since, but, um, but certainly it was there in 08, and we all know mm -hmm. what happened then. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be, yeah, the, 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 it'll be a different golf course. It's a little bit like Pebble, you know, mm -hmm. Pebble in, you know, in March or, you know, sort of end of February, March, whenever they have the Pro-Am, it's a completely different golf course to mm -hmm. when you go there in June, you know, different grasses, you know, pulling through and and the, and the like. And, yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it, they're, they're different tests of golf, you know, and, and the different grasses are just purely because they're coming out of winter, you know, we're coming out of the damp and, and going into the dry. And of course you get the drier strains and the longer stalky grasses in the rough and, you know, you miss it and you miss it. You know, mm -hmm. you, you are going to be punished for it. So, you know, I think Tiger had a few sixes on his, um, on his card uh, or his cards, should I say, um, in 2000, when of course he won by 15 shots that year. So, you know, there's, yeah, it's a, it's just going to be, you know, brutal, I would expect. And it'll be interesting to see how the USGA feel like they need to defend that course. Mm. Um, do they defend it from 300 yards out from yeah. the tee? Do they really thicken the rough up and really grow it at 300 yards? That's what I would like to see. If they want to make the golf course um, difficult or, you know, US Open difficult, then thicken it all up from 300 yards. Give the guy the opportunity to lay up. I mean, you know, 300 yards is a three wood for some of these guys these days. So, you know, but let them hit it 300 yards. You want to hit it 320, you want to hit 360, you want to hit it nearly 400, and you don't hit it straight, then, you know, you, you're mm. not even chipping it out sideways. I mean, make it four foot deep if you want. You know, and that's, you know, Chambers Bay you know or not chambers Bay. what was it mission hills or what was it there's, yeah. there's Aaron hills and there was, Aaron hills yeah, that's yeah. the one yeah mm -hmm. you know do it and do that you know and i think that's where you'd force the players to back off i mean you know that would be a hybrid you know hybrids <laughs> off the tee for dechambeau or you know three iron or something it's um and i think that would make a you know potentially you know challenging i mean don't necessarily bottleneck it you know mm -hmm. just make it deep you know, let it be four to six inches deep, you know, up to 300 yards and then just let it grow, just, you know, because I wouldn't want to be in there, no. even at 260, yeah. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't, you know, so if you get an area where you can play it up to and you're going in with a four iron into a green that's baked like a concrete, you know, upturned mm -hmm. saucer, you know, to a, you know, pin location that's got a, 25 foot drop off the back of the green five foot past the flag i mean who's going to do that mm. you know so you know it's going to that that's the way potentially and look i know nothing about setting up 
major championship courses, but be my obvious choice. I think that'd be a really cool way to go. So it's, um, at um, uh, European Tour, Paul Casey. Wow, what a you know we touched it earlier, but what an exceptional week's golf. Um, you know, Padraig obviously giving him the nod. You know, and then he goes out and produces the goods. I mean, an illustrious um, name drop session. If you were to go f- back through the winners, um, you know, pretty much the biggest names in golf in the last thirty years have, have found their names on the trophy there. And um, you know, Paul Casey, I think no less deserving of the names that you know mm. sit at the top of that. Um, exceptional golf, terrific golfer. He hits the golf ball a good distance. He found. You know, the fairways, um, so often his approach play was incredible, impeccable. Um, didn't have to be overly hot with the putter, but boy, did he hold some putts that he had to hold coming down the stretch. One particular, I mean, 13, he's got a putt for bogey from 13 and a half feet, and he boxed it in. And I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. talk about Victor Hovland's return putt. He would have had three to four feet coming back had that ball not gone in. Mm-hmm. You know, he just took the line out of it and just bashed back and straight into the back of the hole. And he'd missed the putt shorter than that on 12 for birdie. It was just, you know, which would have given him about a six-shot lead. But he really he struggled on the 13th hole. He said it's just a hole he couldn't see it all mm-hmm. week. Struggled on it. I think he bogeyed it every day. Um, and it just, you know, it's just some players are like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Or, well, every player's like that, but some holes are just like that. You just got to see your way through it the beauty about it with a par three is that you know a bogey is only a four on the card so you know whereas if it's a par five and obviously a bogey is a six so you know sixes and sevens never look good on a scorecard and fours you know aren't really that bad if you've got that happening on a couple of par threes so you know he's obviously able to get his way through there but just you know clinical all all through the whole week he just looked very very solid very impressive performance and like I say on the greens just super solid mm. um, you know it's not an awful lot more to say other than he's given the, the the captain an awful lot of confidence in the things that he said so um, you know to dot the cap but I think it could be a really pivotal year for Paul Casey yeah. really pivotal he drives it well it is I think Torrey Pines could well be a, mm. an opportunity for him likewise you know if he I don't really see Paul Casey as a great links player, but you know he does flight the golf ball very high. He's perfectly suited for a US Open, a little bit like Justin Rose. You know with the way they flight the golf ball, and maybe you know Torrey Pines is the place that he can get his maiden victory. But uh, you know in a major, but um, you know it's going to be interesting to see as this one pans out. Of course, you know Augusta, he's ne- he's played so well at Augusta. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's great that he's got, you know, he's going to gain some confidence in the start, at the start of the season. And sometimes that's all it takes, you know, for a player yeah. to start to believe themselves early, you know. Um, and of course, there's only four weeks during the year, you know, where you're going to make it happen. So, you know, he'll be back over to the States fairly shortly. I think he's going over to Saudi, where they're going to be mm-hmm. this week um, as well. And, um, you know, he gets himself into form again you know um there's no well there's just no reason why he can't go back to back wins mm-hmm. you know anyway i think he's just such a great player uh, 15 wins on the on the european tour which is um there's only a handful of golfers that have mm-hmm. done more than that literally i think he's about fifth ranked on the on the wins on tour um with of course Seve, monty 
Mm. Uh, well, though I think the current of the current crop of players is fifth ranked. Yeah, so he's uh, he's he's had a great career, and um, you know, of course, and most of that time has been spent in the US. That's the other thing. So, yeah. you know, what's that tell you about his potential to have won? Had you know, would he have gone head to head with Lee Westwood more significantly? You know, had he have stayed over over here? And I'd said, yeah, absolutely. So mm. um, he could have easily, you know, got into the twenties. And may still get into the twenties, of course. You know, the mid, he's not mid forties yet. He's close, but not quite. But um, you know, and, and as I said, inspired by Lee Westwood um, going forward. So it's uh, it's, good. it's good. Another busy, another busy week coming up as well. Great, great golf. The good golf keeps coming. Yeah, absolutely. I tell you what was really interesting is you keep looking at Paul Gacy and you keep looking at his back. And actually, two winners this week. You know, mm-hmm. let's go let's put a positive spin on Patrick Reed's golf. You know, in terms of he's played great. You know, he's played, he's outplayed everybody um, this week. Um, but the uh, you know when you look at the bag of Paul Gacy and Patrick Reed, um, for whatever reasons they've decided to go the way that they have, um, and again there's controversy around you know, Patrick Reed's bag, but, you know, as to where he gets his equipment from and why he gets his equipment the way that he does, um, it, you know, buying your own equipment isn't a bad thing. We've all had to do that as, you know, PGA pros, um, you know, we're quite used to it. We don't always get given it for free. Um, do you remember you know, last year, it, Tommy Fleetwood's caddy brought him a putter off eBay? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I use this because it can't be any worse than the one you got. Yeah. <laughs> it was the was the, uh, the the in fact actually I think he bought it on his behalf, didn't he? And he still didn't give him any money back. But um he's Yeah, still... I think he I think he made it, built it for him. It was a design he liked from Odyssey and he just went and got him one. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that, that that's that's it, you know. I mean that's that that's the thing. And I think that's you know, and that's happened for years. You know, that that's happened forever. You know, yes, the manufacturers may well have um you know new product coming out all the time but it's not you know it's not a great place to be you know changing you changing your clubs out and you know just because there's a new one come out sometimes you know the original designs were better um they fit the eye better i mean you know pinganza for me you know original pinganza are very pleasing to the eye the light um but you soon bolt the weight up, you know, you can, there's lots of ways to weight up a putter. But um, yeah, for, for, for me, I think the biggie, you know, is if you like the look of something, you can make it work, you know, and, um, you know, many a, many a golfer has gone back to things that, you know, have worked in the past, um, you know, and obviously, you know, Casey's got a set of clubs, complete mismatch of, of clubs in there. Um, you know, between the Mizunos and the Titleists and, you know, sort of tailor-made and, and the like in there. And, he, you know, but, but he's got a set of golf clubs that work for him. And, and that's the key to this. I mean, he's clearly in a position financially he doesn't need to take on an endorsement. I think that's very honourable. Um, I think when you get to a certain stage of your career, you're not as bothered about, you know, taking the equipment endorsement fees as you are um you know the the options for putting the right set of gloves in the bag mm. you know we saw that with Kepka for a number of years but you know i think he's not earning the money off on the golf course so he's decided to earn it off the golf course um 
<laughs> take take the big bucks that are on offer. Um, you know, and again, to some degree, I say, well, why not? Um, you know, and when when you get that opportunity, you know, and you can find the equipment that works for you, then then by all means do it. Um, but you know, it's what's interesting, Sergio Garcia back to his clubs that he won the Masters with, and yeah, he had a win with the Ping Blueprints last year. Um, they're still missing short putts. Did notice that, you know, Mister. Yeah, what seemed like a plethora of putts, but you know, um, almost unfathomable, really. I mean, yeah, 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 I can see why he's missing them, but you know, ultimately, yeah, missing putts, short putts, makeable putts that you should be knocking in for fun, really. You know, at that uh, that level of the game. Um, Justin Rose is back to his twenty thirteen set of clubs. Um, what's interesting is they've gone back to the clubs that they were paid to use and now they're not being paid to use them so <laughs> they all done it over the years haven't they all done it over the years I know Fleetwood brought up a load of sets of the, the, the Nike irons when they finished mm. I know Daniel Berger's done the same with his tailor-made MBs I think they were so they, these guys mm. get very is it superstitious is it um, sentimental I don't know what it is really I think when a club wears out and you know that you know what it's capable of doing, you know, when the club wears out, it wears out. So you kind of want to stay ahead of that, you know, and I'm much the same with my wedges, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got a spare putter uh, also. So, you know, with there's lots of um reasons why players do that. And you know, but you know, the other thing as well is you know, we used to keep clubs in our bag for three, four years anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're never really worried about them being wearing out, you know, grooves, you never thought about grooves wearing out. In fact, the badge of honour was the little rusty spot that you had that you, you used to spend hours and hours trying to hit and then you'd realise you'd worn the clubs out you'd go and, you know, get yourself a new set. And then every 20 handicap golfer in the club wanted to buy those clubs off you <laughs> made them look good. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, it's a, it's a crazy um, you know, it's a crazy thing when players are expected to change all the time. And I think this mm-hmm. is really indicament, you know, that's indicative of, of where we are with, with the, you know, I want it, I want it now mentality. That's the first thing I want. The, the very latest technology will, you know, to some degree, a blade to blade. And I know, you know, manufacturers will want to kick me for that, but they are. You know, it's as long as it visibly looks good and it, you know, and it plays and creates the ball flight that suits the player characteristics, then yeah, ultimately, you know, a blade is a blade. You know, we can do a little bit more with the with the drivers and you know, fairways, hybrids, a little bit more of what's going on inside the club is is doing its thing. But you know, pretty much with a with an iron, you know, yes, you can bolt on a you know to a degree a different weight, but you know. If the weight's in that area, the weight's in that area. It doesn't matter whether it's five grams or, you know, six grams um, of weight to balance the club out. It, you know, if that's where the weight is and it could be 13 as against 14 grams or whatever, you know, the number's irrelevant. What's what, you know, we're only changing them out to balance the club, you know, a nominal amount. The mass weight is in that area when it's, when it's been done. So, um, you know, there isn't really that much happening difference from one set to the next, you know? Mm-hmm. So if they, if you get a set of golf clubs lasting two years, there's no reason why it can't last you four. 
because I don't think most recreational golfers are going to benefit from changing the clubs out. But mm. apart from the fact that they've just spent another fifteen hundred, two thousand pound, you know, on doing so now, and and that's you know we talked about it last time. The price of equipment is just getting ridiculous. So you know, yeah, by all means, go and dig an old set of gloves out. And um, you know, as I was in the garage earlier, and you know, found a, a set of clubs that were made for a player on the European tour and he ultimately you know didn't use them for very long and brought them back and you know they ended up in my bag um, and I used those for a couple of years as well um, you know so I had good value out of them and I put them down look at them and think you know they are really easy to hit um, you know as the clubs are that I use um, they're slightly more chunky slightly faster off the club face um, I probably would hit them a little bit further than the ones I've got right now but you know you just look at them and go like, yeah, they could end up back in the bag. Mm-hmm. So I've never really sort of caught up in, in in equipment, you know, apart from the driver and the putter, as you know. And, um, you know, yeah, it, when the wedges wear out, the wedges wear out. It's, yeah. uh, you know, there's no recovery of those, but, you know, and so that's the only thing really for me. But yeah, players mixing the bags up, I think it's a it's here to stay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Good stuff. Another great show, Andy. Really good part. Yeah, it's a, you know it's always interesting to be able to pick out what's taken place at the week, and you know we need the Patrick Reeds of this world to keep our uh, our show full of information and mm-hmm. thoughts. And um, yeah, thank we'll you, say does it Patrick. <laughs> and continue to do so. So um, yeah, and of course, Patrick, if you'd like to come on the show, we'd be more than happy to have you. But, um, <laughs> a little shout out but um yeah so uh yeah looking forward to what this week's got to offer again european tours in the middle east uh with saudi and um right behind you there at the waste management uh in the desert so yeah it's going to be a, a good bit of golf to talk about this time next week so we'll catch up with you then <laughs>